parenting <laughs> during a snowstorm when your kids are off of school and are doing uh, online learning and you're in the middle of a radio show and you get a text about one of your kids being marked absent in a class, so then you have to text your kid. Are you making sure you're checking in with your classes? She assures me she did, so I feel confident. Uh, my thanks to Charlie Daggett from CBS News. Again, if you missed that conversation, you just go to WCCORadio.com slash podcasts, uh, marking one year since Russia invaded UK- Ukraine. And I've misspoken. At, uh, somebody on Twitter pointed that out to me uh, when I called when I said it was a general who got these um, prisoners to fight, it was not a general. It was Evgeny Prigozhin, who is an oligarch, one of Putin's closest allies, getting these soldiers, or excuse me, getting these prisoners to go fight for Russia in exchange to have their sentences uh, vacated. They'd become free if they went and fight for, for Russia. But that conversation is available on the podcast. Uh, it has been two weeks today since Representative Angie Craig was attacked in an elevator at her apartment in Washington, D.C. She was able to fight him off using a hot cup of coffee. Scary situation. And in the two weeks since then, uh, more problems just coming up, just, again, signifying where we're at as a country. But she joins us now on the John Schuster Coal Banker Hotline. Congressman Craig, thank you so much. Uh, I... I we don't have to get into the, the, the details of that attack two weeks ago, but just let our listeners know uh, how you're doing and, I guess, uh, how your family's doing in the wake of what happened to you. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on this afternoon. <clears throat> I'm coming to you from uh, snowy Minnesota. Yeah. Snowmageddon uh, just stopped here uh, near my house. So, <laughs> look, you know, physically I'm, I'm doing just just fine. Uh, you know, this was definitely a, a, a random attack yep. uh, that, uh, you know, was, was going to uh, happen to whoever uh, got on uh, that elevator that morning in Washington, D.C. But uh, certainly it's been a heck of a last couple of weeks. Uh, my my sons obviously are concerned. My wife is concerned sure. uh, for my safety. But, you know, it, it's been a heck of a last couple of weeks and not made any better, quite frankly, by the very uh, targeted specific threats uh, that have come up, come about from uh, an, a national mm-hmm. Republican campaign uh, hit piece uh, that got picked up by Fox News and led to even more specific threats. So yeah. uh, that's where we are as a country, apparently. It's, and sadly, and we will get to that. I just wanted to applaud you and police, by the way, your office and police, because, I mean, it was immediate after we found out about what had happened, your office and uh, Capitol Police said this was not a politically motivated attack, and that removed all kind of speculation, which even if it would have been a day or so, uh, I'm sure would have come up a bunch of people speculating. So bravo that we got that information right away. You mentioned it. It wasn't enough to go through that attack. But uh, now you're facing disgusting calls after this segment on Fox, parroting those talking points you were talking about from the NRCC, that somehow you were a defunder, and that somehow uh, you were getting what you deserved. It, disgusting, uh, flat-out lies. But let me ask you this, uh, Congresswoman Craig. Did it surprise you in this day and age that, I guess, those arguments were being made, Those, even though they were based on lies, that uh, a network and pundits were picking that up and saying the things 
that uh, Judge Pirro said? Well, maybe it surprised me a little that um, it was five days after I was physically assaulted and the bruises literally uh, had not healed from my face and the cut from my lower lip where I was punched. So, look, this is a lie that Washington Republicans have been trying to peddle for years in my district. The district clearly doesn't believe it because they keep sending me back to Congress. And, you know, my record speaks for itself. And I I was heartened to see on Monday that uh, the, mini, the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, the 10,000 rank-and-file police officers in the state of Minnesota, uh, they put out a press release uh, calling it uh, a complete falsehood and um, uh, lauded my work in support of, of law enforcement. But, you know, look, I, it's just further evidence to me that uh, Republicans would rather turn law enforcement into and public safety into a political wedge issue uh, than actually – come to the table and work on the issues. And, um, you know, it is, it's just egregious. It's, it's an outright lie. And, um, it, you know, it just shows you uh, today uh, that the Republican Party is uh, uh, where, where it is. So the bottom line is all of our communities, uh, everyone deserves to feel safe. That's the bottom line. And, you know, the issues are much bigger than just the buzzwords uh, that, uh, each end of the political spectrum like to parrot. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you, you said it. I mean, there are real problems surrounding uh, crime, uh, public safety, as well as policing. And when you, when you get those calls of people accusing you of, of being a defunder, um, why isn't it enough now just to point to your record, a record that is, <laughs> is like there for people to see? Why, why is it? that people just don't grasp that? Well, it it doesn't benefit the other side, uh, to tell the truth. Let's just put it that way. And look, I I was uh, assaulted. Uh, For me, this is, uh, it's it's been, um, you know, an area where I've always focused on is supporting public safety and mental illness and addiction. But this particular individual, you know, it's, it's again, more complex than buzzwords. I was the 13th count of assault on his record. Um, you know, why has he been released after yeah. 10 days, 30 that's a, days? It's that's a problem. Violent offender. It's a problem. And you got to say, this is a problem that prosecutors uh, and judges keep letting a guy like that out just to assault again. And then you can still say, why have we failed this 26-year-old man that homelessness and addiction and uh, public safety and mental illness, you know, uh, why haven't we been able to offer and give him any support and assistance? And and being able to say both of those things really illustrates the complexity of, of these issues. And you know, I'm more resolved than ever to kind of dig in uh, as a member of Congress representing Minnesota on these really complicated issues as a result of my personal experience. Congresswoman Angie Craig on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And the, I think you know this, you know, Republicans, though, they have success in painting Democrats as, you know, being soft on crime. Is there parts of your party, though, that you think that needs to be a little more forceful in in addressing some of these issues? Well, look, I don't think it was particularly helpful uh, for the city of Minneapolis. And I know I'm going to stir it up here today uh, to to literally offer a ballot initiative uh, to eliminate, abolish the Minneapolis Police Department. That's why I was the first elected official in the state of Minnesota in the federal delegation or statewide to say that's a really bad policy 
idea. We can all have a conversation about uh, improved policing uh, to make sure that we have police uh, reform uh, that works uh, for our communities. Um, but, but there are people uh, who have been, in my view, reckless uh, with their words over the last uh, few years, just as uh, there have been instances um, of police uh, culture uh, that have had to be held to account, uh, such as the murder of George Floyd, such as uh, what we've recently witnessed uh, in Memphis. If we have to choose as a nation between you know, social justice and public safety, um, we've all lost. We have to choose both. And so how do we get back to the table together uh, to, to choose, choose both? And that is, uh, you know, that the last couple of weeks uh, have been, you know, difficult for, for me personally, for sure. But I've just been overwhelmed by uh, the enormous uh, outreach from my constituents and uh, from um, folks throughout Minnesota to say uh, what, what, support they are giving me as well. And then I've seen the worst uh, yeah. of America with uh, the folks calling in and, and hoping that and wishing that my assailant had finished the job. This mm. cannot be the gutter politics that we live in forever. It just can't be. We've heard some of those phone calls. Our listeners have heard them. We've seen the transcripts. They're disgusting. Um, do you brush those off as anonymous trolls or do you really feel threatened by some of those phone calls? Well, we have to feel threatened by them, right? I mean, that's why we turn uh, the specific threats over to U.S. Capitol Police. Uh, you have to understand that, um, you know, all members of Congress, most of us have seen over the last four years a significant uh, increase in the number of specific threats. My own district office has received bomb threats. Um, this is a, a job where certainly the risk has gone up. Uh, I uh, have a security detail uh, present uh, when I do announced campaign events now. That's just, you know, the way of the world today. And you had the, you just don't... let me interrupt, you yeah, had those before sure. two weeks ago, so that was that was in place before, or did that change because of the attack? No, that was in place before okay. because of the threats. Yep. What, what you, what, you know, what, what none of us can 100% protect ourselves from is uh, the random assault, right, uh, from someone uh, experiencing mental illness and addiction and homelessness um, uh, who uh, decides that uh, you are in your uh, their path that day. You know, that is a much more complicated, how do you protect yourself 100% of the time? You can't. Um, but again, uh, you can focus on the elements of this issue, right? I was someone allowed to have 12 counts before he punched me of assault without any significant consequences. Um, where along the way did uh, this individual receive any treatment for addiction or for mental illness? Uh, you know, there's lots of issues along the way that you can dig into from a public policy perspective. Talking to Congresswoman Angie Craig. She's on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Wanted to get to a couple of other issues uh, in, in the time we have remaining, Congresswoman. Your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy handing over January 6th footage to Tucker Carlson? You know, I, I mean, let me just start with January 6th was one of the darkest days of our democracy. And we're talking about uh, security risks in the previous conversation we're having. So I'm very concerned about any potential security risk that could come with the release of this footage. And 
you know, I'll be doing everything I can to explore why in the, you know, why in the hell he gave it to Kevin McCarthy, uh, excuse me, to Tucker Carlson and what he intends to do with it. But beyond that, you know, what other promises did Speaker McCarthy make Mm -hmm. along the way uh, with those those 15 uh, vote series to elect himself speaker? I I think we've only seen the surface of what he may have promised. Um, The Ukraine war, um, one year since it started yesterday, uh, tomorrow, excuse me, uh, President yeah. Biden uh, appearing in, in Ukraine just a couple of days ago, making a speech in Poland. Um, your thoughts on how America's commitment to this effort has been? Well, first of all, um, you know, my heart and prayers continue to go out to the people of Ukraine. But remember where we were a year ago. Members of Congress were um, gathered in a room and uh, our own Uh, officials said that this would be a a very short war. So think about, you know, just the resolve of the Ukrainian people uh, in order to stand up to Russian aggression to fight and defend their sovereign nation. I I couldn't be more proud uh, of us as America to support them in that effort. And I think, you know, the renewed strength of the NATO alliance, uh, the renewed commitment from uh, many of our allies across Europe to uh, ensure that we stand up uh, and assist the Ukrainian people in uh, fighting back to Russia's uh, aggression is truly an extraordinary story. I also think we're probably, um, uh, Ukraine is in for a, a very long conflict. I certainly hope not uh, and continue to hope that uh, this conflict will come to a peaceful resolution one day. But until that day, we're going to continue to support our friends and our allies uh, however we can. Last question for you, and then uh, I'll let you go. Um, many thought that since uh, some recent victories, legislative victories, President Biden might have announced in uh, this month in February that he was running for re-election. Uh, there's some speculation now that why that hasn't happened yet. Are you fully supportive of the president seeking another term, or would you like to see somebody else run? <laughs> well, I've been clear that um, I think it's time for the Democratic Party to allow new leadership to step forward. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries' uh, emergence as the leader of the House uh, has offered an, a window into just how much talent we have in the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said, though, that uh, if uh, the president decides and runs for reelection, uh, I will support him. Very good. Angie Craig, uh, we are hope uh, we are so glad uh You're doing well two weeks after what happened to you. It's uh, good to hear your voice, and thank you for updating our listeners on how things have been going for you, and the best to you and your family. All right. Have a great day, everyone, and uh, be safe out there. There she goes, Angie Craig, uh, Congresswoman from Minnesota's 2nd District on News Talk 830 WCCO. Back after this. What's the, uh, the old bump theme today there, Dave? Have you been paying attention to the songs you've heard so far? I have not. I've been... Uh, focused i'm looking out my window down here i'm doing my show from my house today and i'm gazing out the front windows at the tremendous job i did of clearing my driveway so i've been a bit distracted i you know what if you're looking over that uh <laughs> last last bit of pride you have in your life as a that's suburban it. dad that's it man i mean it doesn't get much doesn't get you much more than that i got my kids that i can be proud of and a clean driveway you've got your driveway and, yes. your lawn and the kids. And considering my skills around the house, it's a very limited amount of things that I can truly be proud of. Mm-hmm. I mow the lawn, and well, yeah, those lines are pretty straight. Yeah, honey, do you see? It? Take a look at those. Yeah, hey, walk it with me. Walk it with me. Come honey, on. Can you change the oil on the car? Not a chance. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. 
That lawn looks pretty good. Oh, the uh, the theme today. Well, my my dad has a uh, has a phrase he likes to use when okay. things aren't going his way. When you know, there's this a, is all your fault, Dave. Is that the phrase? <laughs> I've heard that plenty. Uh, no, what you know, it's, it's not a very serious thing. Used mostly in jest. You know, you you forget your hat on a nice hot sunny summer day, and uh-huh. you know, you know, somebody can say, "Well, Dad, you want to want this one?" and his phrase always coming back is, nah, everyone's got to suffer. Everyone's got to suffer. <laughs> so inspired by that today, I'm playing hotel-themed music ah, because I wasn't given the hotel right. room last night. I had to drive home. Thank you for bringing that up. I almost forgot to bring that up. Not only did uh, not – I guess I don't need didn't need a room because I, I can do it from here. But not only were did you fail to get the invite for the hotel room, but then they rubbed it in your face. They were, they partied last night. They did. I they, saw all of them. They posted pictures. They're mm-hmm. playing ping pong. They're enjoying food. It was like a vacation. It was like a celebration. And poor Dave is just at home, just seething. Oh, I'm looking sure. Looking at these photos, just seething. Yep. Took a nice walk outside where they could enjoy probably a very peaceful and very calm and quiet downtown with just that lovely snowfall oh, yeah. coming down. And they probably went back to the hotel rooms and just started boozing. Boozing? Yeah. Ordering some room service. Yeah, yeah. Put that on the old Odyssey tab. I'll yep. thank you very much. A little prime rib sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CCO have. I mean, they ordered room service that they didn't even bother eating, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, just so they could have it sit there. Just sample it. So, I'll leave that out. You know, the only, the only thing, oh, well, maybe not better, but close to as good as if I had gotten a uh, an invite to the hotel next mm-hmm. door, it's complaining about it. Yeah, right. And so I have that going for me today, which you is you nice. get a little. That's capital, baby. You've built some capital there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're playing all hotel themed music. I today. love it. Bravo. <laughs> uh, did we hear Hotel California already? Did I miss that one? We kicked it off with Hotel California. We had Hotel Yorba by the White Stripes. Just played Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis. Uh, and since you missed the Eagles, Hotel California, we will have the Gypsy Kings with yes. the Spanish version of Hotel California. The famous a later. Uh, Big Lebowski. You can you hear that song? You immediately think of the Jesus man. <laughs> the Jesus, <laughs> nobody. It's the Jesus. <laughs> oh, Dios mío! You pull your piece out on the lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my thanks to Angie Craig, and it, it just reminded too when I listen to Angie Craig or I listen to Dean Phillips. Now I don't agree one hundred percent with either Angie Craig or Dean Phillips, but here's what where I do agree: they represent districts that are. Uh, both suburban, but also districts that could go either way and have gone both ways, Republican and Democrat. That means they can't just cater to one group of people like the other 85% of Congress can. What is, is that the figure? I think it's like only 20% of congressional seats are contested or are not contested, but are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, are, um, in play in any given election. The others are solid red or solid blue. So Angie Craig and Dean Phillips have to actually uh, call their own party out when they don't agree with what their party's doing. And bravo to hear that. And she did. She just did there. Talked about the Minneapolis, char- the, the attempted charter amendment to change policing, how that was a bad idea. Some of her own party went too far. But don't say Angie Craig was a defunder 
defund the police and don't be disgusting enough to suggest, well, she got what was coming for. Maybe, you know, Janine Pirro on Fox News, well, yeah, you know, she's a defunder, so maybe they shouldn't be allowed to call 911. Give me a break. And if you're disgusting enough to call a, a member of Congress or anyone for that matter who's been assaulted and say, ha, you got what you deserved, basically based on their political leanings, it's just disgusting. And it's a further example of just how wrong so many are and how down the drain we've gone politically. And I hope we can get to a place where that doesn't happen anymore. We got text the day after that happened, and somebody texted in and said, I don't agree with Angie Craig on anything at all, but she is one badass for what she did to fight off that guy. And that we need more of that. It's not You're not committing a crime if you can compliment or have sympathy for somebody who doesn't agree with you politically. Um, somebody's now suggesting we... Uh, Something play something by the hotels. I'm not familiar. Are you? No, but I guess we can take a look. I have not. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the hotels. Uh, if you missed the conversation with Angie Craig, uh, we covered a lot. That'll be on the podcast. WCCO radio slash podcasts. Would you allow artificial intelligence to uh, complete your medical services? Would you allow like an artificial intelligence, like a robot, to perform surgery on you? Is that where we're headed? Uh, we've talked a lot about artificial intelligence lately. Well, what about when it comes to health care? That conversation next on CCO. So I saw a news release yesterday from the University of Minnesota, and I was fascinated by it. It caught my eye because we have talked several times over the last a few weeks, if not more, about artificial intelligence. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation, also a, at times frightening conversation about where we're headed. But have you thought about artificial intelligence when it comes to health care? And that's what this press release was about. It's from the University of Minnesota. They received a million dollars in funding, $1.4 million in research, for f- a funding project to develop methods and risk management process for clinical artificial intelligence and machine learning to optimize continual patient safety and improve trust in these innovations. That's a lot of words. So we went to uh, Genevieve Melton-Mukes, uh, doctor, professor at the U of M Medical School in the Department of Surgery. Dr. Melton-Mukes, thank you so much. She's on the uh, John Schuster Cowell Banker Hotline. So how, tell us right now, is artificial intelligence being used in healthcare? If so, how? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, the answer is, is that we're just at the beginning. And there are some places where we're starting to use uh, clinical artificial intelligence, clinical AI in care, but we're really at the beginning and that's why this work is so important. In, so we're at the start. At the, what, in what ways, even though if they're slight, what ways is it being used now? Yeah, absolutely. So artificial intelligence, um, as we all know, is being used increasingly in our lives, right? Whether it's Alexa, self-driving cars, obviously over the past month or so, and even over the past week or so, all the um, things that we've discovered with things like chat GPT, mm-hmm. yep. um, it is it is pervading our lives. Now, in healthcare, we are also starting a transformation. And you can see 
as a, for instance, more and more applications where clinical AI is being used to help us to care for patients better. So for instance, um, it is starting to be used to diagnose based off of images, like the idea of helping a pathologist or a radiologist to be able to find um, an abnormal set of cells or a finding on an X-ray. Um, and that's a, that's a really good example of where artificial intelligence is starting to be used. We really wanted to focus a bit on artificial intelligence that's being used to potentially predict outcomes. Um, you know, I, I'm a surgeon and uh, work a lot in, in the hospital setting, but, you know, artificial intelligence can be used to help us to understand, you know, when a patient might deteriorate or potentially if I'm having a discussion with a patient about uh, the risks around surgery, um, the artificial intelligence can uh, help, help guide some um, in that decision-making. So we wanted to look specifically at that uh, aspect. And that for a doctor, somebody who spent their entire life, or at least you know their adult life, um, learning and educating and practicing medicine, uh, I would imagine that at least yielding some of that knowledge to a to an artificial source an artificial intelligence mm. is concerning right well i would say it's both concerning as well as an amazing opportunity hmm. right so okay. um there's only so much that um in some instances that that we can um think as far as a human, right, to be able to say, you know, I, I see a patient in front of me and understand how, um, how, you know, if we're talking about surgery, you know, giving them information about risk as a, for instance, and, you know, the AI can help us. One thing that we have been seeing, though, is that we are at the beginning of this. And today, you know, if I look at um, clinical AI, and we're talking about making that decision, say, about uh, the risks around surgery, uh, some of it does come to us almost like a black box, right? Sure. So we might, we might get a risk number. Uh, sometimes there's explainability, some, some information about how the computer came to that conclusion. Like these are the things that make this patient at potentially higher risk or lower risk. Uh, but we wanted to actually get down to what, not just at an overall level, but how confident are we in that decision, right? Mm -hmm. So if the, if, the, if the AI was developed on only a handful of patients that have similar characteristics, we're probably not that confident in what the AI is telling us. Sure. And that's, that's a big part of what we're trying to develop are these methods to be able to say, for that patient right in front of me, how can I give the doctor and the patient good information about, you know, you have this AI, it can help you make a decision, but how confident can we be in this AI? So that's, that's a one specific aspect that we're really um, focusing on. We're talking to Dr. Genevieve Melton-Mukes, professor at the University of Minnesota Medical School in the Department of Surgery. It, this is a conversation that many, many 
uh, workplaces or even beyond many schools, many, just everybody is discussing how this will uh, shape our lives in the future. And it's fascinating to me in so many aspects, including in healthcare. I mean, if you, uh, this is a philosophical question, but I guess how does uh, do you have a have any any kind of envision of how healthcare will look with the as this technology becomes more and more pervasive? Yeah, um, so I, I think healthcare is going to be transformed. I think AI is a big piece of it, but you know, in general, um, you know, we we're providing more virtual care today. We are very much as a whole in healthcare trying to shift towards prevention versus sick care. Sick care is incredibly important, but we really need to focus on, you know, how do we prevent and and not have folks ever get sick. Um, And and AI, I think, is just going to be a component of it. I do think that um, uh, this will involve um, AI companies. They're going to be a very important part of this. I think to do it well, and the second aspect of our project is really focused on stewardship and governance of AI. And what we're trying to focus on is how do we help health systems have the tools in place, processes in place to be able to basically steward or take care of that AI and know when we need to redevelop or retrain it or say it has these problems or it has too many risks or this has so much benefit that we we're okay with with you know using it um so that's that's a significant component and we're doing this work both with m health fairview and a collab and a collaborating with the mayo clinic on this so this will be done at, at both health systems so we can learn together on how to do this well is this more, uh, when we talk about trust, is it more about mm-hmm. having physicians trust AI mm-hmm. or patients trust AI, or is that fairly mutual? I think it's fairly mutual. I think that's a great question. But at the end of the day, um, this is um, a reflection on the practice of medicine. It is also Uh, right smack in the middle of the patient-physician relationship, which is probably the most sacred or one of the most sacred Mm -hmm. types of relationships that folks can have. So it it really does impact both. It's mutual. We are speaking with uh, Dr. Genevieve Melton-Mukes, professor at the U of M Medical School, the Department of Surgery. Uh, the, it, it, w- when you're when we're talking about teaching students, the, you mm-hmm. mentioned the Chat GPT. We've talked about this for the last few weeks, and just how this is suddenly a, a, a game changer. And there's also room for you know some malfeasance too. Mm-hmm. From a medical school standpoint, how closely are you like addressing those concerns and making sure that you know it's that tool is being used properly? That's a great question. I I can't speak to it uh, directly. I do think that there is some discretion, um, you know, class by class, and I think just a, a lot of focus on on being very clear around the rules and trying to make it fair. Um, if somebody's going to be using ChatGPT for a particular task, but I I think you know one thing that we are focusing on. 
um, University of Minnesota wide, as well as the medical school in particular, is this idea of data science competency, data literacy. Um, it's so important for our learners. And, you know, I'd probably extend it to our learners. I'm a practicing physician, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. every, every person, even if they aren't formally in an education program, gaining this competency because it is part of our, you know, our reality now, and it certainly will be more and more in the future. We still need doctors. I shouldn't go on to chat GPT and say, how do I perform open heart surgery at home? Probably uh, still need to go to a hospital for that. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation. I love talking about this, especially talking about, you know, you can be, you know, intimidated or, you know, frightened, mm -hmm. quite honestly, about these kind of medical or these kind of advancements in any aspect of life, but certainly in medical. But the opportunity, mm -hmm. I think, is is fascinating to me and thank you so much for taking the time today to talk about it and we'll probably reach out down the road sometime i look forward to it thank you so much dr genevieve melton mukes professor at the u of m medical school department of surgery it's 145 we got an update on uh, last night's cco party that dave uh, missed uh, that's coming up next tail holiday in sugar hill gang man can't go wrong with this Everybody go tell mo tell holiday in. I impressed my wife by singing this song the other night at uh, Vingo. Vi, Vingo, you ever play Vingo, Dave? Vingo. I assume that's a video bingo. Video bingo. It's tremendous. What it's... makes it better than regular bingo? Are you a big AI guy, too, uh, Adam? <laughs> a one, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> video bingo. Is you go to a drinking establishment, tavern, um, and they play clips of video. So you get a bingo card, and it's got various artists, musical artists. On oh, okay, I see. So they you play know. about a minute or less of a video clip, and it's great because everybody starts singing the song, you know. And then it's only a minute, so you don't have to hear the entire song. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's cross off the bingo, v bingo. Um, text us if you go to. I know Kelts and Rosemont has bingo. Uh, 651-461-9226. Big shout-out, by the way, to uh, before we get to the party that you, uh, you weren't invited to. The South St. Paul Packer girls hockey team last night advanced out of the uh, state Class A quarterfinal in double overtime over Fergus Falls with one of the prettiest goals you will ever see. Sarah Wistenson uh, scored in a second overtime last night to advance the Packers uh, into the semifinals, and it was just a beautiful goal. I tweeted uh, the the goal earlier at AC eight three zero, and the cone, the snow cone. We'll bring up the snow cone. I dressed the snow cone uh, in Packers garb yesterday to give the uh, Packers a little luck. Snow cone paid off for the South St. Paul Packers. Tried to do the same this morning for the Rosemount Irish girls hockey team uh, who are in the Class 2A state tournament, which opened today at the XL Energy Center. They were in the first quarterfinal against Andover. Did not go so well. They did not get the snow cone luck. They lost 9 to nothing yeah. to, um, to Andover. So sorry about that, Irish. So, yeah, uh, we talked about the party earlier. Again, to recap, big storm, 
you got to have people on the air. you got to have people to put people on the air. So CCO Radio booked some hotel rooms for essential, essential staff so that they could get to the studio and not get trapped in their homes during the snowstorm. Dave Harrigan, not essential, did not get the hotel room. And if that wasn't enough, the folks who did, we had Vanita, we had Jimmy Erickson, uh, Dave Josephson, my usual producer, uh, Laura Oaks, Susie Jones, Chris Tubbs, Chris Tubbs, at this hotel, partying it up last night. And we talked about it earlier, and Chris Tubbs, as soon as we talked about it, he texted me. He said, it was lit. The party was lit. <laughs> uh, capital L-I-T. All caps, baby. All caps. That ping pong game was off the hook. There was a picture of Chris Tubbs and DJ playing ping pong. So you missed... Not only did you miss the fun and frivolity of hanging out with your coworkers in a stress-free environment, you missed ping pong. That would have been fun. <laughs> would have been nice. I played a lot of ping pong in my youth. Still, uh, still have a table in my basement. It's usually, you know, covered with crap. Uh, but every once in a while, we'll get the paddles out. We'll play a little bit. Yeah, I, I still got some game. Would have been fun. Would have been a good time. Yeah. D- does um, artificial intelligence? Uh, as a concept, does it? Would you say it's more of excitement or trepidation when you think about AI and how it will tr- transform society? Is this related to ping pong? I mean, uh, missing out on the hotel room? No, unless <laughs> AI can play ping. I bet you AI probably would smoke all of us in ping pong. I bet you're right. I'm sure they've got robots out there that can return yeah. anything you can put at it. No, I'm just talking generally. If you no. if you think will it will it be a benefit to society or will it, as some predict they'll rule they'll come to rule us? Come to rule us? No, I'm not too concerned about that. I will say, I think everyone has initial trepidation too, right? I, I don't think anyone trusts it right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we're talking about healthcare or you know, you mentioned with the doctor, you know, uh, self driving cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No, I'm I'm not having a self-driving car, and uh, you know, I mean, as the doctor pointed out, it's still very much in the infancy as far as how AI is used in healthcare. Yeah. Um. But I'm curious about it. At the very least, I, I'm curious to see how it can how it can help. You know, is is, is AI going to get to the point where you can literally have a you know doctor visit of Hey, I got this thing going on, and AI is able to confidently diagnose what's happened and you can, you know, you don't have to worry about making an appointment with a human. You don't have to fight uh, tooth and nail to get an appointment for, you know, with a clinic that's already completely slammed with appointments and, you know, it doesn't have one available for a month and a half. Yeah. If AI is able to help through some of those issues, through some of those problems that we have in our healthcare system, just being so bogged down right now, it's worth a look, right? I think so. I think uh, I, there are so many, you know, again, you have to have guardrails, which is why the University of Minnesota is you know, taking a look at establishing some of those guardrails. And, yeah, if I'm confident that, you know, they can control and at least have a human have the final say, but that, that was the intriguing part of the conversation I had with the doctor. If you missed it, um, 
you can go back and uh, check out the podcast at WCCO radio slash podcast. Or if you're a subscriber to the Chad Hartman show podcast, you'll get it. But the, the difference in, okay, what happens when the doctor and the AI uh, bump heads on something when they don't agree on it? I mean, do we consider that just another, um, like a second opinion or mm-hmm. do we trust the doctor? Do I want the doctor to go with his or her method? Or am I saying, you know, the computer probably knows best in this case. Let's go with what the computer's saying. Yeah. I just I, wonder if we get to a point where that's going to be the decision that people are going to have to make. Yeah. And how, when do you get to a point where say you've got you know, a, a skin rash, you can take a photo of it, yeah. submit what's, you know, what's going on. You know, I'm feeling this itching, burning, blah, 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 whatever your symptoms are. Sounds familiar to you. <laughs> I know all about it. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, AI can literally write you a prescription. Yeah. You know, are we, how, how soon could we get to that point? And is that worrisome? I, for some conditions, probably. Yeah. If it's something minor, maybe not. Maybe that's something that could be pushed ahead with. Uh, you sent me the story uh, today about car payments and about how more Americans than ever before are paying over $1,000 for their car payment. I am not there. I, I can see it from where I'm at. I'll just say that. Not to brag or anything. It's just like, God, vehicles are expensive. So let's do this. What's your car payment? What is your car payment? 651-461-9226. And let me know what you're driving. Uh, because I want to find out if there are anybody out there or how many of us are paying over $1,000. Your Linda's construction time check is 158. Time to save on infinity from Marvin Windows with 50% off installation labor.